0: and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationBoise.com. All right, get your pens and papers out again. We're going over the books that have helped us to follow Jesus Christ, those books that have shaped our lives to love God, love His people more. And today we're asking the question uh, specifically to the other pastors in the room. Brothers, which which books have most shaped your philosophy of ministry? And maybe to interpret that for uh, people who might not understand what we're saying, just what books have shaped your outlook on how to do Christian life, how to exist in the church, how to exist in the world? What books have done that for you?
1: From a ministry standpoint, I think it was uh, R. -R Kent Hughes' uh, book, Liberating Ministry from the Success Syndrome. And I read that book in my first year of ministry. The book was written after Kent Hughes, the author, had faced a great deal of depression early on in his ministry. He he had all these expectations. In fact, he was kind of a, you know, he was the glory boy. He was going to do it all. He, you know, I mean, people... Thought that about him, too. You know, he did all the uh, church growth stuff in terms of seeing what neighborhood he should plant his church in and all that stuff. And he he found that, you know, as he ministered, uh, he was in a decline rather than in uh, building up. And so he had to reexamine what success meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his ministry what what success how success was defined because he had entered into a certain dark night of his soul it really it was truly liberating in terms of ministry you know because like it or not we all cope with a certain amount of uh, despair and rejection in god's work and he after he talks about his own dark night of the soul and he is a successful man uh, today by any standard of christian Publishing these authorities a successful pastor but he defined it as different things he wrote some defining chapters success is faithfulness success is serving success is loving success is believing success is prayer Success is holiness. Success is attitude. And, you know, as I as I read those chapters myself, they, those things preached to me early on in my ministry. Uh, they were things that I knew and things that I could have confirmed um, by God's Word. And it just – it was a refreshing um, book to me. There were others as well uh, that were important, other books
2: that shaped ministry. But that was an early one for the philosophy of ministry. Mm-hmm. Just a, a whole different – different categories. I don't even know how to answer the question because in so many different ways, different books impact you. So you have the, just the overall ministry books. Um, someone with Jonathan had mentioned about preachers and preaching. Um, Lloyd Jones is just great as far as just grounding you, um, lectures to students by Spurgeon, um, brothers were not professionals by Piper, mm-hmm. um, on being a pastor. I think it was, um, Alistair Begg and, um, and then John Stott's, um, something about the world. Um, uh, uh, never it's, mind. It's on never the mind. Yeah. 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 Um, we'll find it. So those are just helpful, just in general to, to ground. But then there were some specific books: "Sitting on a Hill" by Philip Reichen. Um It came out about the same time as the Nine Marks by 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 Mike De- Mark Dever. Those were helpful, just in giving an overall vision of well, what is? And then this was a book by Kevin DeYoung. Um, what is the mission of the church? Those help with regard to just. Overall, not just as a pastor, but what's the church supposed to be like? Um, Between Two Worlds was the, Josh has helped me out so graciously with John Stott's title. Um, but then for me, just personally, a lot of it was biographies, to be real mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the long line of Godly Men series, just reading about, whether it's Owen or Calvin or Luther or Tyndall or Whitfield, in that series, mm-hmm. and how they connected that specific parts of ministry, it was helpful for me. But probably the most single book that was the most influential was a uh, an autobiography or a biography of of thomas boston mm. by um andrew thompson that has shaped my view of ministry probably more than any other any other book Ooh. um very helpful very who's the author um andrew thompson t-h-o-m-s-o-n kind of a weird spelling but just going through the life and ministry of thomas boston in just an honest way Help me understand how to interact with people and how to love people, and how interacting with people shapes um, mm-hmm. pulpit ministry. Mm-hmm. Probably the two aside ones would be peacemakers, just dealing oh, sure. with like Ken Sand,
1: uh, just a, a great book dealing with people, uh, just dealing with people. There's a book by uh, C. John Miller, Jack Miller, called "Outgrowing the Ingrown Church," and don't let the title get to you. But it's it's really about how to be a change agent within a congregation. Author didn't spare himself in his own analysis. He he said that you know there was this fear of people and a desire for approval, and that was that was shaping his ministry. And uh, he you know you become so self dependent and filled with your self efforts. There's a Tendency to see to that despair and defeat, you know, because he's redirected himself toward human resources. If I do this, this is gonna what it's going to be successful but he he brings you back to the promises of god and uh, and he puts you in contact with the risen christ as the source of spiritual life you're connected to his transforming presence and you're grabbing onto those promises and in the, that book jack miller asks uh, several questions that are you know about is god working in your life uh what have you done simply because you love jesus what have you not done Simply because you love Jesus. Mm-hmm. And those two questions begin to shape a lot of things. What are you doing because you love him? What are you not doing because you love him? Mm-hmm. And then he, he calls you to a radical commitment of, of faith and repentance. I've marked up my book so much that I had from him, you know, uh, Steps to Renewal, An Openness to God's Vision for the Church. Is God enthroned on the praises of his people? Is our worship aware of the darkness we're redeemed from? Is there an overflow of thankfulness? Second, develop an honesty about your own sins and your weaknesses. You know, we're not naturally surrendered to Christ, and he points that out. Are we convicted of that absence of, of God in our life, personalizing your relationship with him? and then finally committing ourselves to express God's glory. Mm-hmm. But the the whole book was, uh, was really instrumental early on in my ministry as well, you know, because, uh, you know, we do want to see God at work. Uh, we have a tendency to become ingrown. Uh, there's a, came from a, Very fundamentalist background that was kind of an us-for-no-more kind of approach to things. You were satisfied that those four were there, and you really walled yourself off from the world. And this really opened up a vista of what God wants to do as he Mm -hmm. redeems us and a culture around us.
3: (coughs) Before I mentioned a book that was influenced in shaping me for for ministry – I just want to remind the, the listeners that it, every Christian is a minister. Yeah, mm-hmm. Every Christian has a ministry and, and is called to ministry. Yeah, but there's a great uh, <clears throat> myth, a, a lie that we buy into that says, before I can do ministry, I've got to have my act completely together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've got to be, you know, I've got so many, you, you're tempted to think, I've got so many flaws and, and so, so many weaknesses uh, and so many things dragging me down and, and, and so the sin, sin in my life that I can't possibly be a minister until I get my act together. Well, the book, the book that liberated me from that, ironically for this Reformed and Presbyterian boy, uh, it was written by a Roman Catholic, uh, a man named uh, Henry Nowen, mm-hmm. and it's called The Wounded Healer. The, the theme of his book, and it's a very short little book, less than 100 pages, is that Christ came among us not as this perfect kind of greek ideal you know god figure floating over, floating above us and yes he came without sin but he also came as a man of sorrows as the as isaiah prophesied he would he came as a man of sorrows and one acquainted with grief mm-hmm. and it's by his stripes by his wounds we are healed mm-hmm. by his coming among us as one wounded mm-hmm. Uh, one's point, and I, I think it's profoundly Christ-centered and biblical, is that as we minister, it will not be out of our perfection. It'll be out of our woundedness. Yeah, yeah. Coming alongside wounded people and bringing the healing word of Christ. I, I
1: mentioned earlier that Philip Brooks, I think it was, said preach to the wounded and you won't lack for an audience. Amen. Yeah.
3: You know, I, I've already mentioned this
0: biography about what shaped, um, let's see, what maybe dark times or whatever what what book has most shaped my philosophy of ministry actually is a biography. Again, it's Arnold Dalimore's biography on George Whitfield. That book has actually helped me to reconcile with people who I was not reconciled with before because mm-hmm. what I see in Whitfield and and Dalimore just makes this very clear. He's one of those biographers that doesn't just give you bare facts. Mm-hmm. He connects those facts to theology and connects those facts to God, which I really don't have any use for other kind of biographies because if you're just giving me bare facts, I want to understand how that plays with Mm -hmm. the world. Anyway, so one of the things that that was very a hallmark of Whitfield's ministry was that he believed that the doctrines of grace were inseparable from the gospel. So he fought for them the right ways. He actually became an outcast um, from the Anglican Church in England. And, uh, and, and he was an ordained minister um, with, mm-hmm. with that church. Now, the thing about it, the thing that's significant about that was that he was still able to love people who disagreed with him. In fact, John Wesley, who couldn't disagree with him more on this issue of Calvinism, um, he was his best friend. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned from this reading this Whitfield biography is that, look, it, it, you, being doctrinally serious and doctrinally uncompromising is not antithetical to being um, a loving person that's uncompromising, mm-hmm. loving towards people right. who disagree with you. Yep. And that was massive for me. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was like, okay, I don't have to choose one or the other. I don't have right. to choose to dump my doctrine or mm-hmm. to dump my love.
2: Right. It's interesting. I just submitted an article um, that's going to be published in the... Puritan Theological Seminary um, periodical, and it's on the, the friendship of George Whitfield with Thomas Jefferson, how throughout their life, that they were even further apart than Whitfield and Wesley, and the fact that Franklin was not a believer, um, but the ongoing relationship that those two men had. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Benjamin Franklin or Thomas Jefferson?
2: Benjamin Franklin. Okay. What did I say? Yeah, you <laughs> said you first said Thomas Jefferson, yeah. then oh. you said Franklin. Yeah. No, it's Franklin. But yeah. Franklin. Yeah.
1: yeah. No. yeah. Uh, Benjamin Franklin. You would go to hear him, and he would empty his pockets out before he went because <laughs> he it, didn't want to give <laughs> money. Whitfield was so persuasive, you know, about uh, you know different social concerns and uh, spreading the gospel. So, and then uh, Ben Franklin said that he would he, he would have money. borrow <laughs> borrow money because of that.
2: Yeah. I would go on to say that um, as he talked about. Um, biographies probably the three books that have also been helpful are the letters of john calvin Mm. the letters of john knox or john newton Mm -hmm. and the letters of samuel rutherford yeah Um, Yeah. because they they put flesh on the theology of those men yeah that is so helpful to see how it plays out in real time and space yeah
0: Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that you will visit us at ReformationBoise.com. You can find out information about who we are and about our annual conference coming up in November. You can also catch past broadcasts, or you can email us at info at ReformationBoise.com. Ask us questions, suggest future topics. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next time.